I was planning on talking about the Miriam and Aaron incident, and I was going to talk to you about it in the context of Lashon Hara. And I listened to a teaching by Rabbi Foreman and changed my direction completely. By the way, if you don't know AlephBeta.org, very much recommend it. And he had an excellent teaching on Moses and humility. So I decided, rather than talking about Lashon Hara, I'd talk about humility. This is the first of two challenges that Moses gets to his leadership. You have Miriam and Aaron come at him and say, we're prophets too, and you ought to share some of your authority. And by the way, Miriam and Aaron are definitely prophets. At the Song of the Sea, it says that Miriam is a prophetess, and of course Aaron hears from God too. So the idea that they're prophets is very correct. And of course the second run at his leadership is going to come with the rebellion of Korah. Korah doesn't want to be Moses, but Korah wants to be a priest instead of just a Levite. So you have two runs against his authority in succession here. The key to all this is the phrase where it says Moses was the most humble man. And what that does is it sets up the rest of it. Now, I have talked about this in the past. Gee, Moses wrote the book, so Moses saying, I'm the most humble guy, you know, sort of, I'm really very humble, that kind of thing. And that's not correct. I was wrong. So we're going to look at it slightly differently now. The fact that Moses is humble, as I said, sets up this entire vignette. And let me read it to you. I'm in Numbers 12, and Luke read it very well, so I'm just going to hit the highlights here. Verse 3, now Moses was a very humble man, more so than any other man on earth. And then we come down to God. And God says, Aaron, Miriam, the two of them came forward. And he said, hear these my words. When a prophet of the Lord arises among you, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is trusted throughout my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, plainly, not in riddles, and he beholds the likeness of the Lord. How then did you not shrink from speaking against my servant Moses? So the key here is because Moses is humble, he has that kind of a relationship with God. That's the reason for that most humble man statement up in verse 3 because it sets up the fact that he has a different relationship with God than everybody else. We've got lots of prophets. We have Gentile prophets, Balaam, for example. So there's lots of prophets in the Bible, real ones and false ones. And what God is saying is your average garden variety, run-of-the-mill prophet gets dreams and visions and stuff like that that need to be interpreted or may not be understood either by the prophet or the people that he prophesied to. Not so with Moses. The prophecies that Moses gets are clear, accurate. He understands them, and he is able to communicate them to you accurately. That's because he is humble. So let's talk a little bit about humility and what's going on. Humility has 
a bad connotation in our society right now. In fact, we're right in the middle of Sodomite Pride Month. There's a guy I go to breakfast with every Tuesday who's an Episcopalian. And he says, I'm not going to church this month because the whole place is going to be pride. So he said, I'm just not going to go to church this month. The idea that we have pride sort of running rampant in our society right now is probably a good time to talk about this. For those of you who remember the Musar course that we did a while back, some of this will be familiar. Moses was a Levite. Moses had a temper. Because remember the first incident where Moses steps out of the palace, he goes and clobbers an Egyptian and kills him for abusing a Hebrew slave. That's not humble. Then the next thing that happens is when he's out in the desert fleeing from Pharaoh, he comes upon a well. And you have these shepherd babes who can't get into the well because the shepherds are pushing them away. And he gets the shepherds out of the way, flips the rock off of the well, waters the sheep, and then takes the girls back and marries one of them. He is not adverse at all to confrontation. The next one, of course, he confronts is Pharaoh. And he just sort of walks right into Pharaoh's throne room and says, this is the way it's going to be. This is not a shy guy. And then he argues with God. Remember at the incident of the golden calf? He says, well, if you're going to destroy these people, me too. I don't want to be the only one. And then next week, when he's confronted by Korah, he kills him. Earth opens up, swallows Korah, bloop, and he's gone. So this is not a shy guy. This is not someone who is afraid of confrontation. This is not someone who is afraid to stand up for himself. Yet, he is the most humble man in existence. So that's what we're going to explore here. What humility really means and what it means in the context of Moses' relationship with God. For those of you who have not been in the Musar course, Musar is a Jewish way of systematically taking inventory of what you are. It's a program for figuring out what you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and, and then a program for improving where you need to and moving along where you don't. It's excellent, by the way, and those of you who want it, we have books on it back there, and I recommend it highly. The idea of Musar is everybody is born defective. We come issued from our mother that way. Fortunately, by design, we're defective in different ways. So you may be proud, I may be stingy, she may be whatever. So as we come together as a community, the fact that I have the stinginess about me, you guys can beat me up and say you ought to be more generous. And the fact that somebody else over here is proud, you go beat him up and say, you know, sit down, that kind of thing. So the idea is that as we go through life, each of our differences will bang up against the other and one hopes at the end of the day we'll have the corners knocked off and become somewhat more pleasing. It's sort of like iron sharpens iron. That's what it's talking about. Nobody is born perfect. Well, Yeshua was. But nobody else is born perfect and so the rest of us need sanding down around the edges as we go through life. 
And what Musar does is provides a program for figuring out those places where you needed to be sanded off and giving you a way to do that so that the sanding off is not quite so painful. Because when you bang up against somebody and you get slapped down, it's very painful. If you figure it out yourself, you can correct it without the bruises. What did I say about humility? In fact, uh, in the Musar course that we use, humility is the first of the measurements that we discuss. And the reason for that is because humility affects how you look at all of the rest of the personality traits. So, for example, one of the personality traits is gratitude. Well, if you're really proud, why should I be grateful to you? I deserve it. So if you have a problem with humility, your perception of gratitude is warped. Similarly with patience. How dare you keep me waiting? Don't you know how important I am? And there's lots of people like that, by the way. I was in the Army for 20 years, and I met dozens of them. Generosity. Why should I be generous? It's all mine. I deserve it. So the idea here that humility is the first one that's studied in the Musar course is because if your humility is out of whack, everything else that you do is going to be out of whack. And that's why it's interesting that Moses is described as the most humble man, which is to say that Moses is in balance, if you will, with respect to pride. He is not arrogant. He's got a temper, and when it's appropriate, he's lethal. So it's not the case that he is afraid of confrontation. It's not the case that he's self-abasing or anything like that. He is in proper balance with respect to his pride. And that's the key. So what's this proper balance business? Well, the way it's talked about in the Musar course, and I like this very much, Humility is having the same view of yourself that God does. So, if God has set you up to be a leader, and his view of you is you should be a leader, then you should be leading. If God has set you up to do something else, and your view is the same as his, you should be doing whatever it is he set you up to do. He's given you talents. Everybody's got talents, and they're different. By the way, humility is situation-dependent. So let's say I'm Elon Musk. I mean, I'd just like to have 2% of his bank account, but let's assume that I'm Elon Musk for a minute. I don't know whether you've heard it, but apparently some social justice warriors in SpaceX took a run at him, and they circulated a letter in SpaceX saying, we need to get rid of this blowhard Musk, and we need to be more inclusive. He fired them. Just, they're gone, which is the way that kind of thing should be handled. And the thing here is, for Elon to have fired these guys and stood up and so forth is entirely appropriate to his position. He's the leader. Now, let's assume Elon was here in church. It would be entirely inappropriate for him to say, get out of the way, John, i got things to say. So it's situation dependent. Sitting in church, he should be quiet and pray and reverent and so forth like you all are. When he's dealing with people in his company, he needs to stand up and fill all the space because this is my company and this is how I want it run. Moses is the same way. When it's appropriate for him to confront a pharaoh, 
he confronts Pharaoh. When it's not appropriate for him to be upfront and bold, he's not. That's the key to humility. All right, now what does that have to do with God? Well, one of the phrases that was used here, which is interesting, in verse 7, Numbers 12, 7, not so with my servant Moses. He is trusted throughout my household. The household is key there. And the example that Rabbi Foreman used, he talked about a TV program that I've never watched. There used to be a program called The West Wing, fictionalized White House. I have never seen the program. But the point he makes is all of the people around the president, and this is very true, come in there and say, I want to serve as the Secretary of Defense. I want to serve as the Secretary of this. I want to serve as the whatever. But every one of them comes with his own agenda. And you see that by the tell-all books that get written immediately after the administration changes. So every one of them is there. Yeah, I want to serve as the Secretary of Defense, but I see this as a resume enhancement, and I see this as a stepping stone for me to be something better. So all of them have this agenda of their own. Yeah, they sort of do what you told them to do, but they've got their own agenda. But he says there's one guy that's not like that. And this one guy that's not like that is the president's valet. The president's valet is apparently an orphan, and all he does is lay out the president's clothes, make sure he gets things done, and he has no agenda of his own. The only thing he's there for is to serve. That's it. He's not going to write a tell-all book at the end of the administration. He completely is trusted. So he sees the president in his underwear, if you will. I'm not saying Moses sees God in his underwear, but the point is Moses is completely trusted by God. And when he thinks God is doing something wrong, he has no problem telling him so. But he's not telling him so for his own agenda. He's telling him so because of God. The conversation at Sinai is, wait a minute, God, if you destroy this people, everybody is going to say you weren't able to do what you set out to do. Destroying this people is going to reflect badly on you. That's the message that he gives. I am looking out for your reputation here. That's why I'm confronting you. So Moses, in every situation from God's perspective, except the business with the second water from the rock, there he makes a mistake. But everything he does, he's trusted. So God speaks to him face to face because he knows that Moses will faithfully pass on his words. And he doesn't have to do it in dreams or visions or obfuscation or anything like that because Moses is completely trusted because Moses is a servant. What does that remind you of? Let's go to Philippians. Philippians 2. Coincidence is not a kosher word, right? In my daily Bible reading, I read this passage in Philippians yesterday. This is Paul, Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, 
but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Messiah Yeshua, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Yeshua, Messiah, is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Notice, everyone should confess that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Same thing with Moses. God, you can't destroy this people. Everybody will say that you couldn't do what you set out to do. So Moses' focus is on the glory of God, even when he confronts God and says, don't do that. Same thing with Yeshua. He has humbled himself like a servant, and because of that, God has exalted him but God has exalted Yeshua for his own glory. So, take you one more place. Didn't write it down, so I'm going to do this one from memory, and I may not get the scripture right. You remember the wedding at Cana? He turned water into wine. There's an interesting little phrase in that story. When they take the wine out to the master of the feast, it says that the master of the feast didn't know the source of the wine, but the servants knew. In other words, the servants that were back there, pouring water and all that kind of stuff, knew what was going on. The master of the feast had no idea. All he knows is, wow, good wine. Beginning to catch a thread here. Those who are servants of the Lord are privy to what's going on privately. And they are trusted. As I, say, I haven't seen the West Wing, but I am sure that the valet would never have divulged any private stuff that happened in the president's quarters. just wouldn't happen. Yet he knew things that cabinet secretaries would have been envious of. Same with Moses. Same with Yeshua. They know things because they are humble servants. And because of that, they are able to glorify the Master. So, as you go through life, if you get your pride in proper balance, and just like Moses, humility doesn't mean that you're some shrinking violet. Yeshua could be violent. Yeshua will be violent again. There's going to be blood up to the withers of the horses. Yet he is humble. He drove the money changers out of the temple with whips. Yet he is humble. Moses kills Korah. Yet he is humble. Moses confronts Pharaoh. Yet he is humble. So as you go through your life, 
figure out if you have a problem with pride. I do. That's one of my problems that I've had to really work on. Not sure I've ever succeeded. But keep yourself centered on service. Keep yourself centered on God. And He will be the one who exalts you. If you try and exalt yourself, you're going to fail. Eventually. Lots of people don't fail immediately. I witness Elon Musk. I don't know whether he's a humble man or not. I just don't know. All I've seen is his public persona, and I've admired much of it, but I just don't know. Proverbs, the whole scriptures say that pride goes before a fall. But having a proper view of what humility is, is very, very powerful. So, go out and be humble. Et a